We're in a series entitled Welcome Home. We're basing it on the prodigal son. Now, I just ask you this. Have you been a little bit surprised at the revelation God's bringing through this series? You know, when someone says, I'm going to preach on the prodigal son, sometimes we might think, yeah, I've heard that. But God has been showing us a lot of new things. And we've been talking about mainly the younger son or the prodigal. We're going to move to the older son now. Pastor Brady did that last week. Asked him, he asked me, can I share some on the older son? I said, absolutely, because the next week that's where I'm going. And here's what we're going to talk about today. The older brother syndrome. The older brother syndrome. Now, let's not think for a moment about the attitude of the older brother. We, we understand that's where we're going. But just for a moment, let's take two brothers. One of them stays home. One of them leaves home. All right? Now, we're, uh, we're using this as an analogy of believers. In other words, one believer leaves church and goes back into the world, and another believer stays in church. Okay? Which one of those do you relate to right now in your life? Which one? Do you relate to the younger brother who has left the church and who's, uh, and it's characterized, by the way, the word prodigal is characterized by excessive drinking and sexual promiscuity, and the older brother stayed at home or stayed in church. So which one do you relate to right now the most? Please say the older brother. <laughs> right? The older. Now, we're not, I'm not talking about the attitude. We're going to talk about the attitude, all right? But my point is, we're in church. We're not the prodigals. Most of us, we're not leaving. We don't want to go back out in the world. We want to stay at home. Okay. The reason I'm saying that is then, is we need to beware of the older brother syndrome. Because we are becoming the older brothers and sisters in the Lord. I've been saved 25 years now. So I'm becoming an older brother. I want to welcome my younger brothers and sisters in the Lord. And I don't want to develop an attitude toward them that would be wrong. Are you following me? Okay, so we need to know what the older brother syndrome is and how to avoid it. So that's what we're going to talk about, all right? Luke 15, let me get over there. I was talking and not turning while you were turning and I was talking. All right, Luke 15, look at verse 25. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. Now, by the way, that's some good dancing when you can hear it. Verse 26, so he called one of his servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and because he's received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, lo, these many years I have been serving you. Now watch the two nevers. There are two nevers in the next few statements. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. All right, this is the older brother syndrome. He despises and looks down on and uh, and sees others as worse than he is, and he sees himself as better than others. This is the older brother syndrome. It also could be called the Pharisaic syndrome. It's the way the Pharisees were. As a matter of fact, do you know why Jesus even told this parable? Go back to Luke 15, verse 1. Luke 15, verse 1. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So, so he spoke this parable to them, saying... 
and he tells a parable about a lost coin, and then he says in verse 8, or, or what, and he tells another one, and then in verse 11, then he said, so he tells three stories, and all three of these stories are to address the older brother syndrome. All three of them. These stories are to address how the Pharisees looked down on other people and thought that they were better than others. So, I'm going, we're going to look at three effects of this syndrome, but I just want to answer the question, what causes it? And, and it's very, very simple what causes the older brother syndrome. It's pride. I mean, that's as simple as you can get it. Pride thinks that we're better than and others are worse than. But, I believe the Lord showed me what causes pride when, when I was studying. Now, I've been saved... 26 years now, and preaching, you know, nearly all that time. And I've preached a whole bunch of messages on pride, and I've always wanted to know what, what's the root of pride. And I believe it's clear, and I'm going to show it to you in just a moment. So, let me show you three effects, and we'll address what causes it, three effects of the older brother syndrome. Number one, it affects the way we see ourselves. It affects the way we see ourselves. Now, flip to your right, just to, to just a few pages, to Luke chapter 18. And I want you to remember how the older brother saw himself. He made this statement. Remember this? I've never transgressed your commandment at any time. Okay, let me just state that again. I want you to think about that. I never transgressed at any time. There's not a human that can make that statement. I mean, that's prideful. What about all is sin? What about that verse? What about all have fallen short? What about there is none righteous, no, not one? But this is the way he sees himself. He literally sees himself. Now, I want you to think about this. He literally sees himself as perfect. And this is what pride will do. Pride will set a bar so high that you cannot get over that bar. And you will live most of your life discouraged if you have pride in your life. Because you can't get that high. You just can't do it. But that's where this product, this, that's where this older brother was. Alright, Luke 18, this is going to show you what I believe is the root of pride. Look at verse 9. Luke 18, verse 9. Also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men. What a prayer. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing far off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, now this is Jesus speaking. This man, the tax collector, went down to his house justified. Let me give you another word for justified. Saved. Rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Okay. You know what the root of pride is? Self-righteousness. That's the root. And let me tell you what self-righteousness is. It means that we can attain to righteousness without Christ on our own. That our own works can somehow put us in right standing with God. The word righteousness means right standing. Right standing. Now listen to me. I believe in living righteously. 
I believe in living morally. I believe in all those things. But I just want you to understand that I, I know that no matter how good I live, it's not good enough. It will never put me in right standing with God. The only way that we come into right standing with God is through the blood of Jesus. It's the only way. It's the only way. But if we have self-righteousness, and self-righteousness does not develop when we're new believers. You don't have to worry about it. When you first get saved, you know it's grace. I mean, come on, think about it. When you first got saved, you, you, someone say, you know you're saved by grace. You say, oh, don't I know it. <laughs> but ten years later, twenty years later, man, I lead classes, read the Bible every morning, not involved in immorality, doing all these things. You know, I'm, I'm starting to get closer to God. Starting to get up the ladder here a little bit. Listen, no righteousness. Okay, let me tell you this. Your best is as filthy rags. The best you can do. You're right. You're, this is what the Bible says. Our righteousness, our right standing on our own is as filthy rags. And here's what we do. It said that he spoke this parable to those who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Listen, anytime you see yourself as better than, you see others as worse than. Let me say it another way. If you look up to you, you look down to everyone else. That's a pretty good saying. <laughs> if you look up to you, you look down to others. He said, God, I thank you I'm not like others. Okay, now, let me just ask you. Maybe not consciously, but way back in there, you ever had that thought? Well, I'm glad I'm not like them. I'm better than they are. Do you have the older brother syndrome toward any person? Do you look down when you hear about someone falling in an area? Do you look down on them? Or does your heart hurt for them? Do you have this thought? I never do that. Galatians 6.1 says, Listen, if there's a brother caught in a sin... You who are spiritual, restore such a one with a spirit of gentleness, considering yourselves, lest you also be tempted. It's not a prideful spirit. You understand what I'm saying? Thank you. All right, let me ask you this. Is there any group of people in our society that you look down on? Maybe there's a group of people in our society that struggle with a sin, and you look down on them. That's the older brother syndrome. I'm kind of catching all of us here, aren't I? That's self-righteousness. So first of all, it affects the way you see yourself because you, can, you see yourself as being better than others. Number two, it affects the way we see others. It affects the way we see others. Now, flip back to Luke chapter 7. It's just a few pages to your left there. Luke chapter 7. This is one of my favorite stories that Jesus tells. And the reason that he tells it, I absolutely love it. But you can even notice in Luke 18 that we just read that it affects the way you see yourself and it affects the way you see others. All right? Luke chapter 7, look at verse 36. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. Now see, he ate with Pharisees too, because he ate with all sinners. <laughs> and behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat in the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet, watch the humility of this woman, behind him, weeping 
And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, watch carefully, he spoke to himself. Now, before we go on, let me ask you, whom did he speak to? Himself. So, another way to say that would be, he thought. Right? He thought. He had a thought. Now, watch his thought. This man, if he were a prophet, now remember the words, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Watch the next three words. And Jesus answered. I'd say he's a pretty good prophet. I just think this is wonderful. You know, he's thinking if he were a prophet and Jesus says, "Uh, let me answer those thoughts you're having right now, pal. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. He said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said, you've rightly judged. And then he goes through what this woman did for him. And then in verse 47, he says, Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. To whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Now, here's the reason I love this story so much. Because it does not teach what we think it teaches. It teaches the opposite of what you think. We think that this gives the credibility to the fact that there are some people who are bad sinners and they've been forgiven a lot, therefore they love the Lord a lot. And there are some people who aren't that bad and they've only been forgiven a little bit, so they only love the Lord a little bit. Well, here's the problem with that then. Then Debbie, my wife, can't love the Lord as much as I can. Because she hasn't been forgiven for as much as I have. So she'll just never love God as much. And she'll never be able to unless she leaves the church for a while and goes out and sins real big. Then she'll come back. Then she'll been forgiven of a lot. Then she'll really love a lot. Which don't do that. That won't work. Okay. <laughs> this does not teach that there are some people who owe more than others. doesn't teach that. That's what we think it teaches, but it doesn't. You've got to remember something. He was answering Simon's thoughts. This is what Simon was thinking. Simon was thinking, I only owe the Lord about 50. She owes 500. That's what he's thinking. He's thinking, she's a bad sinner. I'm not that bad of a sinner. So he's answering his thoughts. You see what I'm saying? Listen to me carefully. This does not teach that there are some people who are better than others or worse than others. This teaches that there are some people who think they're better than others. That's what it teaches. This teaches that there are some people who don't think they owe the Lord very much. That's what it teaches. And let me just explain something to you. The Bible says if you've broken one commandment, you've broken all of them. Can I tell you something? We all owe the same. We're all five hundreds. 
There aren't any 50s here. Everybody's a 500. Everybody's sinned against God. Everybody. Do you remember the story Jesus told about the workers in the field? He said there was a guy and he hired some workers and they started early in the morning. And then some more workers came along around noon and he hired them. And then some more workers came in the afternoon and then some workers came one hour before the day was over. They only worked one hour. And so the people who only worked one hour came to get paid and they got paid this amount that the Lord had agreed to pay the first ones. The same amount. So the first ones, notice, he paid them, you know, the same thing he told us he was going to pay us and they only worked one hour. So when he gets to us, he's probably going to pay us more. Do you remember this story? And he ends up paying them the same. What he told them, he was going to pay them. And they got mad. Because they said the ones that only worked one hour got the same as we did. Listen to me carefully. This is the older brother syndrome. I've been here all this time. I've worked all this time. And those guys come in right at the last minute and work just a little bit and they get the same thing. Uh Uh-huh. They get the same thing. You want to know why? Because we all get the same reward. It's called forgiveness and eternal life. And we all get it. Why? Because we've all sinned against God. Are you following me? But what the older brother syndrome says is, I should get more because I stayed home. See? Okay. Now, these are obvious to me. The first two points are obvious. Pride and self-righteousness affects the way we see ourselves and the way we see others. The third one is not obvious, and it's the most important one. Here's the third thing I want to tell you about it. It affects the way we see the Father. It affects the way we see the Father. He tells three parables to address the older brother syndrome. He tells about a lost coin. A a woman had ten coins, lost one. She turned the house upside down to find it. He tells about a a, a shepherd who had a hundred sheep, lost one, left the ninety-nine to go find the one. Then he tells about a father who had two sons. Okay. In all three of these parables... The older son is only mentioned in the last one, yet he's addressing the older son. It says in the very first, there were these Pharisees, and he was mad because they were mad because he was having dinner with sinners, so he told them this parable. But the older son's only in the last one. Do you know who is in all three of them? The father. <laughs> the one who had lost something is in all three of them. See, if you have self-righteousness, You are so focused on how much better you are than others and how much worse others are than you, you never pick up the heart of the Father. You never pick up the heart of the one who lost something and is desperate to get it back. See, there's no mention of the older brother in the the sheep and in the coin. You know, there's not one other coin that, that said, you know, to the other coin that was found, you know, you shouldn't have run off. And here we were all staying at home doing the right thing. There's no older coin, you see. But he only puts it in that one. Why? Because the main character is not the older brother. The main character is the father. But here's the problem. If you have the older brother syndrome, you're so focused on how good you are and how bad everyone else is that you miss how good God is. And I'm telling you, here's what the older brother syndrome does. It affects the way you think God loves you. See, the older brother watched the father go out every night and stand on the porch and look for his son. And the older brother got more and more angry, bitter, Jealous and envious. 
when the Father was there all the time. This stuff just built up in his heart. By the way, remember I told you to look for two nevers? First one was, I never transgressed your commandment any time. Well, we know that's a lie. Well, here's the second never is a lie too. Here's what he said. You never gave me a young goat. You want me to prove to you that's a lie? Look at Luke 15. Just flip back. It's just a few pages from where you are. Thanks for bringing your Bibles. Please bring your Bibles. Even though we put the, the Scriptures on the screen, i really like for you to bring your Bibles with you. Luke 15. Now, remember he said, you never even gave me a young goat. Okay, I'm going to show you something maybe you've never seen in this story. Luke 15, verse 11. Then he said a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he, the father, divided to, excuse me, them his livelihood. What? Uh, See, here's what we think. We think the younger son said, Father, give me my inheritance. And he gave the younger son his inheritance, but not the older son. That says he divided to them his inheritance. Doesn't it? Isn't that what it says? The older son got his... You never even gave me a young goat. He gave him his inheritance. At the same time he gave the younger son, he gave the older son. And the older son got... Do you know this? Got twice as much because he was the firstborn son. (laughs) And here's what self-righteousness says. You weren't fair to me. The father should have said, no, I gave you twice as much, even though you didn't deserve it. See, the older son mentality, self-righteousness and pride, not only affects the way you see yourself and the way you see others, it affects the way you see God. And pretty soon, you're mad at God, and you don't think God's being fair to you. And it affects the way you see the Father. Did y'all see that? It's pretty clear, isn't it? Uh, by the way, here was his answer to, you never gave me a young goat. Verse 31, he's, and he said to him, son, son, he starts with son, like what are you thinking? You are always with me, and all that I have is yours. You are always with me, and all that I have is yours. Now, think about it. Let's, let's boil those two things down. You are always with me. That represents the presence of God. And all that I have is yours. That represents the provision of God. Now, here's, here's something sad about this story. The younger son missed out on the presence and the provision of the father because he left home. Here's what a lot of people don't realize. The older son missed out on the presence and the provision of the Father because his heart left home. He stayed physically, but his heart left. Now, how do we avoid the older brother syndrome? See, the goal is to become older brothers and sisters in the Lord. Right? I mean, when you get saved, you don't want to go to heaven immediately. Right? You want to live for a while before you go to heaven. So, The goal is to become an older brother and older sister in the Lord. And hopefully have a right attitude about our younger brothers and sisters in the Lord, new believers, even unchurched people, prodigals, and mentor them and help them grow up in the Lord. So all of us want to become older brothers and older sisters in the Lord. Right? You agree with that? We don't want to have the older brother syndrome, but we do want to mature in the Lord. Everyone everyone agree? Okay. So, 
Are we all going to become, if we live, continue to live, are we going to become older brothers and older sisters? Are we? Right. But we don't have to fall prey to the older brother syndrome. Right? Well, there's a, a guy in Scripture that becomes an older brother in the Lord. As a matter of fact, he's called the father in the faith. His name's Paul. He wrote 13 out of 27 books of the New Testament. Let me say that again, because that's 13 more than you wrote. And more than I wrote. He wrote 13 out of 27 books. Paul. He is the preeminent apostle. There's just no doubt about that. Among the apostles, they believed it. Among the church world to this day, he's the preeminent apostle. Okay. So he becomes an older brother in the Lord, right? But did he ever develop the older brother syndrome where he looked down on others? No. Why? Well, let me show you how he didn't develop it and then why he didn't develop it. I'm just going to show you these scriptures. You don't have to turn to them. 1 Corinthians 15.9, he says, For I am the least of the apostles, who am not even worthy to be called apostle. Okay. I'm the least of the apostles. I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle. Now, he writes this in 56 A.D. I know I'm giving you numbers, and sometimes people don't like numbers, but just stay with me. He got saved in 36 A.D. Wrote this in 56 A.D. So, he's been a believer now for 20 years. Yeah. He's been saved 20 years when he writes this. 20 years he's an older brother in the Lord. He's already written, I think, five of his epistles at this point. He's writing. He's rewrote three, and now he's writing the the, uh, second group of his epistles, which was four epistles at this time. Okay. So, he's, here's what he says, 20 years after being a believer, he says, you know guys, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle. As a matter of fact, I'm the least of all the apostles. Now, here's the thing that amazes me about this. He's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, so we know it's true. This isn't just false humility. See, because the Holy Spirit wouldn't allow him to lie. He actually sees himself this way. It's kind of like Numbers 12.3 says, now Moses was the most humble man on the face of the earth. You know who wrote that? Moses. I mean, you've got to be humble to write that, right? But again, he was right. That became Scripture, so he's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So it's true. Moses really was. And he was able to write it about himself. See? Okay, so Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, 20 years after he's a believer. Listen, guys, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle. Actually, I'm the least of all the apostles. All right. So, 20 years. Seven years later, he writes this in Ephesians 3.8. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints. Okay. (laughs) 20 years after he gets saved, he says, I'm the least of all the apostles. Apostles. Now, the apostles are big dudes, you know. Apostles. Seven years later, after walking with God seven more years... He says, you know, uh, I've reevaluated this. Actually, I'm less than the least of all the saints. Two years later, which is one year before his death, 29 years after being a believer, 1 Timothy 1.15, he writes this. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. This guy's just going down, down, down. By the way, I didn't tell you this, but the first epistle he ever wrote, he started it like this. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. 
Paul, an apostle. Just want you all to know I'm an apostle. Twenty years later, he writes, I'm the least of all the apostles. Seven years after that, he writes, I'm the least of the saints. I'm even less than the least of the saints. And then two years after that, he writes, I'm the chief of all sinners. Why? Let me tell you why. Let me just read it to you. This is why Paul never developed the older brother syndrome. 1 Corinthians 2.2 2, For I decided to concentrate only on Jesus Christ and His death on the cross. Let me tell you where we started in the prodigal son, this series, Welcome Home. We started saying, why leave home? What would keep us at home? What, would, what keeps us from leaving home? You know, we, we, and here's what we said, the cross. We've got to crucify the flesh. We've got to die to ourselves. That's the only thing that will keep us. Paul writes, I die daily. I'm crucified with Christ. We need to nail our earthly passions and lust to the cross. Paul's the one that wrote that. Do you know why Paul never developed the older brother syndrome? Because he came to the cross every day. Because he focused on the crucified life. Listen, the same cross that will keep you from leaving home will keep your heart at home. You don't want to develop the older brother syndrome. Here's how you do it. You come to the cross every day. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes.